Hello, and welcome to House X of X Decline. Uh, today, we have Steven, as always. Ahoy, hoy. And we have a very special guest, Marino. Uh, uh, Ohio gun by Matsu. <laughs> we have... We have our, our resident anime expert. Not really. He's just another one of us that likes anime. Uh, I, I, I have seen an anime within the past two years. Yes, me, <laughs> me too. We've all seen animes within the past two years. But also, very few of uh, very few of our cohort can say the same thing, which is why we brought you on, because you have some sort of passing knowledge of uh, the wonderful Japanese art form known as anime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I respect it. And Marino is from the Great Big Shiny Takes podcast, which you should all listen to and subscribe to. And uh, Marino, what do you do on the Big Shiny Takes podcast? Well, thanks for asking, Alex. We like to skewer the Canadian pundit class uh, as fledgling journalism students at very de- varying degrees of employment and frustration with the Canadian journalism industry. Uh, it's tough to see. It's tough to see things like CBC pulling reporters from coverage from Israel-Palestine for signing a very fairly worded letter or seeing AP bend over backwards to fire uh, an employee. And uh, the worst part of all these... uh, mainstream media outlets is the column uh the column section and these these columnists just don't get any pushback they just get a bunch of boomers writing letters agreeing with them so that's what our podcast is uh, there to do and just poke fun and believe me there's there's no shortage of material to laugh at oh yeah just you your podcast has introduced me to the likes of total sick freaks like joe warmington <laughs> and Barbara Kay, and you know, I'm glad I know these characters. Cause, you know, I'm a connoisseur of these terrible, terrible characters. Uh, yeah, you know, and I'm glad, at the very least, you know, at least we're 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 giving 120k a year to Joe Warmington to generate just being being a weird dude. He just generates various iterations of being a weird dude, and you're here to capture some of those iterations, and yeah. it's a great show. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. These ghouls are paid six... Fi- like, newsrooms are strapped, everyone's overworked, underpaid, and then these ghouls are paid six figures to once a week write, like, you know, academic freedom is white people being able to say the N-word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know... Um, in terms of uh, an analysis of power and how these people get power and why these people are empowered <laughs> to do certain things, mm-hmm. we are analyzing a show that has everything to do with that, which is the venerable Hunter Hunter. It so is this stylized. Game is this game. <laughs> uh, which which character is that, Stephen? Uh, that is the gourmet hunter. Um, oh, that is. Oh, is he? The, he's the big. He's the big fella. He's the yeah. big gourmet hunter. He, he fella. hits his ah, gong fair. belly to signify the start, or as they say, starto. Starto. Yes, <laughs> it is the starto. Yeah. Um, and Hunter Hunter is a show about uh, people with extraordinary power attempting to navigate 
an incredibly cruel world that even if you do have extraordinary power is incredibly stacked against you and you have to take on sort of uh, a vicious or hunter-like morality in order to survive. Everyone is always predator and prey simultaneously, which I think when you investigate, um, if there's any underlying thesis of hunter-hunter, it is sort of this strange, not might-makes-right philosophy, but the idea that you have to gather this incredible strength um, uh, in order to just survive in this world. But this strength is bolstered by also uh, your strength of community, by your friends who possess similar goals and similar strength. Mm -hmm. And in a way, people find morality in Hunter Hunter not through um, not through any sort of political or abstract aspirations, but rather through their relationships with others, which is, you know, all of these are interesting factors that I'd, I'd like to get into. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Marina. How did you initially get into this show? Uh, so it was recommended to me by a, uh, sadly now former friend of mine. I won't get into that drama, but uh, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> boom, boom, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, talk about, uh, friend, the power of friendships, but I digress. <laughs> now, mm -hmm. uh, he was a big anime fan and that was an excellent, uh, recommendation. Sorry. I'm just hearing an echo of myself. Uh Oh, Who's who's the guilty party? Who is everyone? Guilty it's party? everyone turned down. It's Keep possible. talking. Power through it. Yeah. Um, the sorry. Uh, and yeah, it stands. Even though uh, that friendship fell through, it still stands as one of my favorite anime. Uh, variously at the top, uh, alternating with legend of the galactic heroes which is also high quality but a very very different show that one's more like a traditional greek epic meets a space opera but uh, uh hunter hunter what struck me when i was initially watching it was its abilities to subvert expectations and how it was very obviously like a meta approach to shonen in general and like you were touching on alex i think it 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 formalizes that aspect of shonen where it's just like, yeah, the entire world is framed around this like power level system. But mm -hmm. like Hunter Hunter is like, let's make that very explicit. But yeah. Oh, also the power level system is very different than sort of like the Dragon Ball Z or mm. even in uh, Togashi's previous work. Togashi is the author of the manga. Um, uh, Yoshihiro Togashi. And, uh, his previous work, Yu Yu Hakusho, which was also very popular, had this very sort of linear power progression where people get stronger mm -hmm. and you can basically measure that with a number. You know, in Dragon Ball Z, you know, people like talk about even though, you know, power levels are, uh, you know, bullshit because the point is Goku exceeds them every time. There is still this sort of like linear power progression with Hunter Hunter. The power system is more about how clever you can be with your mm -hmm. power. So you have people that don't have like a lot of raw power in the show, but through being smart about the, the incredibly elaborate power system that's used in the show, they mm -hmm. can uh, defeat enemies stronger than themselves, which I think is, or even in like before even the power system is explicated, there's a great fight 
in season one of Gon versus Hanzo, and Gon just uses psychology against his opponent in order to win, essentially. Uh, which I think is, and that's a that's a fascinating fight that I could get into. But yeah, yeah he, um, he wins him over by by the pow- his main power, which is getting beat up. <laughs> yeah, but oh man, that's so great. So I I'll just go into the just describing some stuff we love. So at the end of the first season, um, they're they're doing the hunter exam, which is the exam you need to become a hunter. In the show, a hunter is this person with uh, enhanced rights because they've shown themselves to be of a superior ability, and so they have greater freedom of movement. They have access to bounties. They can they can hunt uh, for bounties that only they hunters get like a can personal hunt. credit line, access to an internet. It's nuts. Yes. Yeah. So, they're, like, are they in, the only ones in the world who get the internet? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question because I, I, I took a note I've been taking notes as I've been watching the show and I remember when I, they don't introduce the internet until season 2 almost and I, mm-hmm. when they did I was like clapping I was like yes there's the internet because I'm a big fan of technology so anytime <laughs> anytime there's a representation of the internet I always get really excited mm-hmm. uh, and the I, hunters yeah they have their own They have. I know they have their own websites they have their own like websites for finding info out that no one else can get but i i think the rest of the they world have, does have internet yeah they have their own only fans actually yeah. right there's hunter only fans <laughs> i think it's basically like hunter hunter like it, the whole premise of the anime is you have to get this license that gives you access to the dark web uh-huh. yeah <laughs> after you get your hunter license yeah that's where you can get the uh, bolivian cocaine uh so uh, there just happens to be in the Hunter Hunter universe. There is a Bolivia and an Evo Morales as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not far off. Um. So, uh, he, uh so at the uh, so they're going through the Hunter exam, and uh, there there's a tournament at the end, but it's a reverse tournament. So uh, only. Uh, only one person will really lose because they keep now. Okay, it doesn't. The logistics of the tournament don't matter. It's boring. But Gon fights a straight up fucking ninja called Hanzo, who's obviously much more powerful than Gon. But the point of the fight is not whoever loses, but who gives up first. And Gon, who is uh, the main character, and he's this like simplistic, uh, basic shonen character in that he's yes. Mm-hmm. He's like Goku, or he's like Naruto, where he's like happy-go-lucky, and his naivete is sort of part of his strength. Uh, It gives him this joie de vivre and this will that he wouldn't have without the naivete, which is a recurring theme among shonen protagonists. Same with, like, Monkey D. Luffy as well from One Piece. Um, And so... He, but but he's not a he's not a simpleton though, and what he understands about his nature is how it 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 conflicts with other natures, and so he fights Hanzo, and Hanzo is just breaking this kid's arms and shit. He's just like wrecking him, but Gon is like, I will continue to fight, and you are going to feel very guilty for breaking all of my limbs, and that's how Gon wins by Hanzo being like, Yeah, your will has dominated my will. I really don't want to break. An 11-year-old's limbs, you know, even though I'm a badass ninja, you have called my bluff, and I don't want to do it. And that's how Gon wins, and I think that's such an amazing way to win a fight in an anime, just because you uh, exploit rules 
And that's what sort of a huge theme throughout the show is the exploitation of rules and how you can exploit rules in order to maximize power. Yeah, the there are the show is it's like there's different arcs and in each arc they are generally playing a game of some kind with defined rules and part of what they have to do is figure out what the rules are um, whether they're um, doing the hunter exam or they're trying to reach the top of a tower of uh, basically like a like a is it Tower of Power or is it what's the Bruce yeah, Lee tournament tower? Uh, what's the oh, Bruce uh, Lee thing death. where he has to to climb? Yeah, the tower. I don't know. They have to climb. Yeah, it's a the classic tower. pagoda situation. You right. gotta go. You gotta face progressively stronger opponents going up the pagoda. Um, and then uh, the, you know, there's another. They're on Greed Island, which is a video game, and there's rules. There's all these. The the rules are very important. Figuring out what yeah. the rules are. Um, Even in the main power system of Nen is very rules-based. And one Mm -hmm. of the main precepts of Nen is the more rules and restrictions you place on your Nen abilities, the more powerful they become, which allows one of our favorite characters, Kurapika, to uh, effectively wield his Nen in a way such that he is able to overcome his major enemies, the Mm -hmm. Phantom Troop. Uh... I don't, do you have any favorite fights or just uh, things that immediately spring to mind, Marino, when you think of Hunter x Hunter? Uh, keep in mind, we're doing light spoilers, only light spoilers for Season 5, because Steven has not seen Season 5 yet. Indeed, indeed. Uh, there's definitely a lot of cool scenes in Season 5, so I'll just mm-hmm. leave that at that. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, I do like all the Mad Bomber stuff. I mm-hmm. like... The tower, I like, obviously, the Gon Hisoka fight is pretty pivotal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even the fight previous to that, where they're sort of, like, introducing, like, Nen Nen fights, and it's, like, Hisoka versus that uh, pretty pretty boy fellow who Mm -hmm. gets completely wrecked. Castro Uh, totally murders him. (laughs) Is it it Castro, that one? Yeah. I think that is Castro. Doesn't he have a power where he just splits into, like, a double? Yeah, he has double power. Um, uh, that's not, stupid. Not so that's good. lame. Yeah. Not so good. Some nan abilities better than others. Yeah, bungee gum is the top tier nan ability. Bungee gum, top tier nan ability, can do so much. Very versatile, you know. Mm. And so Hisoka, who is Hisoka Marina? Oh, so Hisoka is this. Ooh, how do you describe Hisoka? I'll put it this way: I recommended Hunter Hunter to uh, like assistant manager of mine at my last job who was, like, an anime fan and stuff. So, And I was hoping she would, like, get into it and see. But, like, the fight with Gon and Hisoka was the point where she checked out. And that's because Hisoka is a weird, like, pedophile clown sort of dude. It's hard to say say if he's really a pedophile or if he just Um, gets aroused by, like, battle. But he gets aroused by power. And Here's a little yeah, clip. turns out I have a, a bunch of these <laughs> of Hisoka just uh, talking about uh, Gone. Yeah. <laughs> Who is eleven? Okay, well, it's hard to hear, but he's kind of perving out uh, on <laughs> Gone, and he kind of pervs out on Gone the the whole series. Um, yeah, he, he's pretty into Gone. He yeah, have, he has a special interest. Yeah, he's he's grooming Gone uh, basically. <laughs> Uh, but Gon is, uh, like, he's literally grooming Gon, because 
But Hisoka, more than anything else, lusts for power. You know, he sort of, he, he literally physically lusts for power. He gets a boner for power. Um, and that's why he does anything that he does, because he is drawn hedonistically and into this pleasure-seeking way to that pursuit of power. But that's what makes Hisoka very interesting, because that means his uh, allegiances can shift in an instant mm-hmm. based on what he perceives to be the the most hedonistic or pleasure-seeking route. It's why... It's why that sort of the idea of living hedonistically is not necessarily the most immoral idea on earth because, you know, sometimes it causes you to pursue someone else's benefit in order to maximize your own pleasure, which uh, Hisoka does throughout the series because early on, Hisoka, this pedophile clown, is perving out to this these two very powerful 11-year-olds, you know, and if he lusts for power, you know... <laughs> But but he lit, he says he doesn't want to kill Gon because he wants Gon to get as powerful as possible before he fights mm-hmm. him in a real fight, you know. Yeah. And at another point in the series, ooh, is this like a season five spoiler? No, this is like at the end of the uh, the auction arc when Hisoka is set to fight with the leader of the Phantom Troop, Crollo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crollo. Uh, sorry, I'm just like trying to remember what is an end isn't a spoiler. But like, yeah, he's set to fight with Crollo and he's really uh, anticipating and savoring this fight. And then it's like Crollo's Nen is blocked for whatever reason. And Hisoka is effectively cock blocked. <laughs> yeah, he can't he can't commit to it. He can't he can't get it up because he knows he's not fighting his opponent at full power. Um, and I think that's. It's sort of cool where all of the main characters' motivations come from because the idea of morality in this show is very blurred. Like, one of your main characters who's your favorite and beloved and adorable is Kalua, who is a killer for hire. He's mm-hmm. a literal assassin. He's raised from a family of assassins. And he meets Gon, our anime protagonist, and it's like, oh, that's cool as hell. You want to be best friends? And then they're, like, best friends throughout the entire series. Like, it's weird how people don't judge... Uh, you for being like a, a murderer for hire in this world, which well, is it's not his fault. Th- he was, um, you know, as we see in the first season, his family is manipulating him and forcing him and tor- and torturing him. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite character in the show is actually Kilua's, um older fat brother. <laughs> yes. I think his name is Miluki, I think. Mm-hmm who uh, just eats potato chips and plays video games and does the only bit of computer programming we've seen so far when he tries to make a copy of Greed Island just from the uh, saved memory uh, cartridge that he He's gets. a hacker. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like a hacker. He's the closest I've seen to a, a, a hacker hunter. Uh um, I'm trying to. One of the Phantom Troops' powers is vaguely hacky, but I don't know if you. The guy with the cell phone. Yeah, Shalnark. Um, I can't. I don't remember the name. Yeah, I think Shalnark. He's got a. He's got a blonde bull haircut. He looks like a pretty boy, and uh, yeah, he's got cell phone powers. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, hoping there's more hacking in season five, but it. I'm sure it's. It's probably just it's not really that much it's not a hacky it's not a it's not a technology show like the technology is secondary i mean it's funny because 
it it takes place vaguely with 21st century technology. The like you you did allude to there being an internet, which makes it. Mm-hmm. But then, funny. John, but then, gone comes from like this picturesque like. 1860s Ireland kind of <laughs> island yeah. where there's like a yeah. fish market like it, it's hard to place there's a it's a it's a little it's a it's a buffet of yeah. worlds in Hunter it, Hunter there's a lot of variety and anachronisms but it's sort of just the by by nature of introducing the, this type of world which has this incredible variety of cultures and anachronistic places uh, every season is different. You can go to a different place and it has like this totally different vibe. Like uh, season one is is basically uh, it's basically a school manga. It's basically a high school manga, but like really advanced. You know, they're all trying to pass the test, essentially. And they're by and they're all being friends with each other, trying to pass the test. Season two is a tournament arc. Season three is a film noir Season four is a we're trapped in a video game anime, not unlike Sword Art Online, except Greed Island is much better. And mm-hmm. season five is um, the most existentially terrifying thing I've ever seen. It's funny, <laughs> it's just... too. The, the seasons, they're called arcs, um, yeah. which I find is, a, is interesting because it frees them up from having a set length. So mm-hmm. like season one is 26 episodes and then season two is like 12 yeah. And then season five I've seen is it's 61 episodes. So Oh, yeah. And how those episodes are used are very funny as well. Uh. Well, is there? I really hope there isn't another episode where they're like, OK, this episode is we're trapped in a room and we have to wait. Oh, um, very funny. You say that, Stephen. <laughs> no, it's it's it. It all fits together. Just keep watching. Trust okay. me. It all fits together. It's, yes. Uh, I can uh, honestly say I, if we're ranking the seasons, season five and season three are equal to me as the best seasons. Uh, the York New City arc and mm. uh, and season five. I would be and in then, agreement with that. Then it goes two, four, one. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That That's how I'd, I would rank them. The, the first season, even though it's probably the weakest out of all of them, is still incredibly good because this world is incredibly diverse and weird. Um, and it, there's just a lot to know about it. And what's, a, what's funny is how violent and cruel it is and how everyone just accepts that about it. And they've sort of moved on. And I think part of this, part of this episode I wanted to ask is, is that... A lot of people online, a lot of people on Twitter, and a lot of people that otherwise don't like anime uh, watch this show and praise this show um, because and relate to this show a lot. And I think it's because it sort of mimics the world that we're in, this sort of unrepentantly cruel capitalism where the only thing you can do to get ahead is take this test where you might die, and then you get the freedom of power, but then you're ultimately changed and uh, bilked into doing weird immoral things by the system uh you know even uh karapika and his quest for revenge you know joins the mafia right so at a, the phantom troop are born into the impoverished meteor city and as a result are forced to take on a life of crime uh and you know you just develop this might makes right philosophy by necessity um, and I think that's how people sort of feel uh, in this world where, you know, you can take the hunter exam, 
but even then you still have to keep fighting <laughs> you know you can get your credentials but even then you know there are still th- baddies way more powerful than you and hunters way more powerful than you yeah isn't um, it there, there's like a statistic in the anime where it's like half of hunters or something or more don't keep their hunter license within the first year of getting it and like that's so brutal like you already have seen how difficult it is just to pass the hunter exam uh mm-hmm. and that that is already whittling down so many people and then yeah, to have people that. die trying to pass it yeah exactly and then it just get like there's further thresholds it's nuts it's a it's a very good observation mm-hmm yeah, and but you know, ultimately, what gets these people through is their love for each other. You know, the central defining relationship mm. of the show is Gon and Kalua, um, and I think that also spe- uh, that also speaks to people's experience that through it all, through this incredibly cruel world, the thing that they rely on is uh, their their kinship with others, um, and that's the driving force beyond any sort of abstract morality. It's this sense of kinship which mm. drives our protagonists. Even our most, you know, stoic and revenge-driven protagonist, Karapika, makes uh, decision, decisions based on his friendship for uh, Leorio and Gon and Kalua. Uh, I don't know. Why do you think it's? Why do you think it's popular, Marina? Or what? Did what resonated about it with you? Like I emotionally. Think... <laughs> Hmm, that's a good question. I think it did what a lot of shonen did in sort of being a bit of a power fantasy, yes. But it did it mm-hmm. in a different way, like you said. Like, Gone is much more relatable, and it's not just quantitative, it's qualitative. So you can think of, like, I've got potential... I want to be like a success in this world. I want to be the protagonist. So you put yourself in their shoes. And I think that Hunter Hunter just does it in a way that makes it more relatable. And it's just not, it's not just about uh, becoming a super saiyan or just like grunting really hard for 10 hours, even though there is a little bit of that. Um, And and determination does factor in though. Oh yeah. But even in Naruto, when you're in, like, they have the relatable school thing, but it's in service of being drafted into this ninja paramilitary, which is much exactly. less real. Where in Hunter Hunter, it's like you're getting the credential for yourself, and now you're off in your little individualist boat to attempt to pursue your career or start a small hunter business or whatever. Exactly, yeah, there's more open-ended. It, there's, there's never really... A big like save the world goal, really. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there. I mean, there is in the fifth season, but yeah. that's more. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but like it, it doesn't necessarily go like Gon's dad is a part of that, but it's never really ultimately about finding Gon's dad and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, there's just like there's diversity, and like in other shonens, it's just like the One Piece, Frieza saga, Cell saga, Big Bad, uh, mm-hmm. or like you said, like the. Uh, everything's all about like a, a Naruto paramilitary and like that <laughs> takes precedence over it. Like the Hunter Academy and stuff is there, but like they get their Hunter license and they kind of do their own thing. There's no like real. Yeah. The uh, institutional mm-hmm. power of the Hunter Academy does figure into the mm-hmm. world, but it's not all about it. Exactly. And also, 
It's not framed no... as this perfect entity either. But I yes. digress. Oh uh, yeah, I mean yeah, that also that's also a thing. Um, frickin', uh, what was the point I had? I had a point. I don't remember. Uh, Steven, Steven, you're new mm-hmm. to this show. We, you've been watching it up to the. Has it resonated with you? Does it make you feel different than other animes? Are you noticing it is different from other animes? Um, I, I don't think it's super different. I mean, I mean, it's a little more upbeat. This has a positive spirit. A lot of the other animes I, wa- I have watched are not necessarily so positive, but I, ch- I tend to only watch the like ones that filter down through the recommendations. Um, mm. Yes, it, it has started to resonate more. The things I've found the most interesting are the thing like when they describe how the government works. Um, yeah. So in uh, York, New City, like the mafia runs the government. And at one point, um, the uh, the gang is like, "Well, wow! All these police are 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 work- basically. It seems like the police are working for the mafia." And someone says, "Yeah, that's sixty um, percent of the vote was uh, created by the mafia for the mayor. So <laughs> the mafia uh, just determines they who's rig the mayor." The machines. Um, but then it's you know when Meteor City is mentioned. There's one very important line, which is that according to the government, no one lives in Meteor City at all. It doesn't exist. So, but 10 million people actually live there, but they're nobodies. They don't count. And that uh, Mm. sort of informed me on the motives of the Phantom Troop, who um, they operate sort of metaphorically as a spider with various legs. That's the metaphor that's mm-hmm. brought up. They have uh, spider tattoos on them. And the leader of the phantom troop, or the head um, of the spider, he really drills it into everyone in there that he's not important as a leader and that they can continue even if something were to happen with him or, or to him. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of, I thought, a sort of revolutionary group mm-hmm. um, fighting against the... Um, whoever you know the the York New City elite stealing yeah. from them. I don't know if they. I don't necessarily think they want to then go redistribute the wealth to Meteor City, uh, poor people. But yeah, they're at least fighting the the corruption in a, in a certain way. They're sort of like if anarcho syndicalism, but instead of like having having a communal farm, you were a communal group of assassins. Um, <laughs> yeah, slash art thieves. Yeah, slash art. But I think that's what's interesting about them is because their motivations are very much interpersonal, and so they mirror Gone and Kalua's motivations, which are very much about supporting each other in a cruel world. And mm-hmm. you see. In York, New City, when uh, one of them one of them dies eventually, Karapikar, Revenge Boy, kills Uvogan, uh, and the characters react emotionally. You know, not like you would like in a, in a lesser anime. Like the villains would be like, whatever he he decided to be this way. You know, and they wouldn't care because they they're villains. But these villains are very very much care about each other and love each other, which is why I think. They they hit different than other villains. They have this yeah. sentimentality, and in this world where morality is established to be so fucking gray anyway, you know who's to say what they're doing is wrong? 
Which, of, I mean, they're obviously wrong because they slaughtered Kurapika's entire uh, clan and stole their eyes in order to sell on the black eye market. Uh, but you're, there, There's yeah. more nuance. It's not as black and white as your typical shonen where things are either black and white or there's like tropes like the bad guy who become who sees the error of his ways and good. There's just there's just a, something a little bit deeper. It's mm. also a very... It's like an anime fan's anime. It's not just like a meta shonen. It's like, if you like other animes, you will dig how this one is very self-awarely constructing a world with sets of rules. Because animes love to construct fantastical worlds with idiosyncratic situations or rule sets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very much a part of it. Like in One Piece, the geography of the world is mm-hmm. very much integral to how the show progresses and and uh, why things are the way they are, um, yeah, I think that that exploitation of rules and the fact that it can really go anywhere, and the fact that morality is seen as being more situational or contextual mm-hmm. than necessarily abstract, I think is is a very interesting thing. Um, and, you know, it speaks to the, the fact that, well, we're all made hunters by the system, right? You know, we're all forced to be hunters by the system. We're all forced to be predators in a way. This is just the way the world is. And nobody can see can conceive any way to get out of it. Like, it's like um, at, at, at any point in the show, is there criticism of the Hunter Association? Like, it shows the Hunter Association to be imperfect. But... I don't think the show really depicts the Hunter Association as being, like, negative or indicting them in any way. It usually shows them to be sort of a necessity in this world that they've established to be incredibly cruel. So I don't think, you know, Tagashi takes a position against the idea of institutions in general. But um, it definitely is interesting to say see the way that the Hunter Association influences the world around it by virtue of its, its, its power. I don't know. Just hmm. spitballing. Just spitballing. You know, I haven't seen the full, the full series. Are there's so there's are there a total of five seasons or six seasons? There's right. a total of five seasons. And then there's um, some like movies or something. There's there, a. There are no. Are there movies? There's there like a no. ten episode thing at the end that's kind of a sixth season, I think. Yeah, but that gets subsumed into the fifth season usually. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, yeah, that's well, I, a, that's a good one. I know the um, manga's ticket. Tip, um, what was I going to say? Is strict is actually still going on, but they're on hiatus. I think, right? Yeah, Togashi. I mean, he's a very interesting character in general. Um, mm-hmm. He is one of the few manga authors who is like, I'm straight up fucking depressed, and you need to give me time to work because mm-hmm. I am. Like, because he was, uh, like, you know, the the daily struggles of one of those weekly Shonen Jump guys, or, uh, like, it's just a horrible life. You're just drawing constantly. You're drawing for 14 hours a day, <laughs> even with assistance. Doesn't Akira um, Toriyama, like, still live in his mom's basement? I don't know. I, that, no, that, no. <laughs> like, that Akira made... Toriyama's house is really cool, actually. You should really? look up Akira Toriyama. You should yeah. look up Akira Toriyama's house. It's badass. It's, uh, it's literally Dragon Ball Orange. That's super sick. I will have yeah. to do that. Yeah, I'm looking but, yeah, at the Wikipedia it's... of uh, Togashi, and he's yeah. he's married to the author of Sailor Moon. Yes, he is. Wow, that's super cool. I didn't know that. He's <laughs> married to Naoko Takeuchi. Yeah, you knew the name. It's just very funny. 
<laughs> yeah, well, because I'm a huge I'm a huge fucking Sailor Moon fan. Sailor Moon is, and I love Naoko Takeuchi's reason for why she created Sailor Moon, which was I just dreamt of girls that I wanted to hang out with, and that's wow. such a that's such a cool reason. That's such a great answer. I love that answer where you know, um, it's sort of parasocial but very honest in a way. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Hunter is kind of like the dude version of that. Oh, I, I love all my dude boys. They yeah. Our... <laughs> There's a lot of like endearing characters where you're like, I want to hang out with that dude. Yeah. It's sort of also a testament to platonic male love. I think yes. that's what also people like about it, too, because people just really like the friendship of Gone and Kahlua. Yeah. Pe- just people like guys. People like to do the classic, and you could obviously, it's fair to do this, the classic, like, reading into it, like a yaoi sort of thing. Like, well, Lord of the Rings, you know, Frodo and Sam had it as well. Exactly, but I do think that this story is very, very, like, clearly about, like, just, like, friendship and exploring the the nature of that and the group nature of that, too. There's, like, the core Gone Killua thing, and then the, the, the main four slightly expanded to the Leoria, and Karapika and then you have sort of like different tertiary groups and like uh, a father figure that comes in a little bit later uh, mm-hmm. not Gon's father but it's that's Mr. A, Wing. a season 5 thing sorry oh, talking about Wing Mr. Is, Wing yeah. yeah Wing is great he's oh, a father yeah, that, there, that's there another are other one. father oh, is that a different well, father yeah. different father oh, figure oh yeah oh yeah it's okay. it's just uh, season 5 season 5 baby I guess I uh, Bixie, too, or whatever mm-hmm. her name was. Bisky Kruger? Uh, I love Bisky. Bisky's so cool. <laughs> Short for biscuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, that's... The, the other thing the show does is, in the third season, uh, it has such great uh, women characters, which a lot of shonen manga is sort of, you know, not not so great. With their women characters. I'm, I'm a big One Piece fan, but Nami and Robin have these incredible arcs, and then Oda doesn't do anything with them for just years and years and years and years. Um, whereas, you know, every female character in the Phantom Troop is wonderful and memorable um, and has, is, is, like, distinct and deep, you know, Machi and Pakunoda. Uh, I wanted to get into Pakunoda because, you know, that's sort of like the whole crux of the York New City arc, where you talk about how Krolo says the spider can exist without me, but then Pakunoda, through her emotional love of Krolo, you know, uh, decides to fuck that up. She wants to save Krolo above anything else. She can't commit to that ideology because she is so uh, tied to her personal love of this the, this guy. Uh, and uh, I think that's great. I think that's such an amazing commentary on how, you know, your emotional... Uh, your emotional state can overcome any sort of ideology that you actually have or profess to have. Uh, yeah, Pakunoda, great character. Amazing character. Uh, all of the Phantom Troops. Uh, some are less developed than others. Like, you don't really know what Kortopi or Banolinov are up to. But I like Kortopi. There's one guy who's like, I, you occasionally see, he looks like a mummy that I don't think has spoken once. <laughs> yeah, that's Banolinov. That's Banolinov. You'll get into what he does. But even, like, when you find out what he does, they don't... Uh, they don't... Uh, Here's another really, one. Yeah, you don't really know what his motivations are, yeah. The Phantom Troop of... And I got a, I got a special shout-out to my boy, Faye Tan. Love Faye Tan. Ooh, uh, Faye Tan is super... 
Super yeah. Sonic Shadow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he's definitely Super Sonic Shadow. Um, uh, so yeah, we're just you know free. It's been a freewheeling discussion of Hunter Hunter so far, um, and uh, we can get into other anime too as we as we talk about this. And I think it, largely we're we're trying to get to a thesis of you know why anime. Mm. why why you know especially just the concept of anime avatars i've been thinking about or the idea that you have so many people on the fash side appropriating anime for their images or the fact that you have now like you you have these zionists with pie crew avatars you know doing this cutesy hasbara shit oh boy yeah yeah and so I, you know, what is that language of anime? Why does it appeal to us? And what is it being used for when we express it politically? You know, why why is there this this count? Is there this overlap between this moe cutesy? You know, and what I would say, especially clean style, with this with this fash aesthetic as well. I I, I think there there's some weird. There's just some weird stuff there. But, I mean, it's not just fast. Like, everyone appropriates anime stuff for themselves. Every third leftist account I see on Twitter is Misato from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Their their profile picture is Misato. Yeah. Um, although I found that Ava is... A, it's, it's pretty popular. There's some animes that I feel are more popular on the left than they are on the right. I feel like stuff that's popular on the right is, like, Lucky Star. <laughs> stuff that specifically involves little girls and shit like that. Yeah. Well, there's in, there's the, the sci-fi the you know, the channel. Yeah. They have an article on their website uh about the troubling relationship between anime and fascism that uh mm. let's see, published 2 years ago. And it looks like there's some anime with Nazis in it. Yes, there are animes with Nazis in it. There's also an anime with anthrop- which anthropomorphizes the Axis powers. So it's like you have Nazi Germany, son, and does you have ta- Nazi Germany, Chan. Does oh Attack God. on Titan have some fascist people in it? Oh, I, I would love to get into. I know neither of you have seen Attack on Titan. No, but, but I apparently that's it. a thing. Oh no! It, yeah, Attack on Titan is beloved by the fash, but it explicitly you. It's not subtle about its use of fash imagery, which is like so you can't really accuse it of being crypto fash because the characters in it are literally brown shirts. Um, and uh, Attack on Titan, I think Wisecrack got it right when it talks about. The, the main philosophical driving force behind it is like the Carl Schmitz, the Nazi philosopher's Uh-oh. idea of the friend-enemy distinction. But that's sort of what Attack on Titan is all about. And it's sort of an analysis of, you know, what does it mean when you're driving philosophy is the friend-enemy distinction. Uh, and well, there's also an anime called Girls und Panzer. And they're, they're yeah. doing their tank girls driving World War II era German tanks. <laughs> Oh, that boy. is correct. Wow. That is correct. How could the how could the alt right latch onto this? Yeah, <laughs> they love it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, the, what is it about? Because because before you know you'd think like the idea of cutesifying your hyper masculine militarized force would be antithetical to this fascist image. You know the thing that fascist ideologies of your would preach is these uh, very strict gender roles and portraying 
this masculine violence force. But now the, it, it, everything has shifted to the point where you're trying to win people over to the side by being like, ooh, ooh mm, cute yeah. fascism, yeah, yeah, I think, fascism. I, I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, I think that uh, uh, when in like Nazi Germany or these other fascist regimes, when like military military fascist power becomes ubiquitous in society, it's easy to look at something uh, like Dragon Ball or Hunter Hunter, any other shonen or anime in general, and engage with that very shallowly and be like, yeah, that's just like us. That guy, power <laughs> fantasy is just like reality, and like that's your that's your that's your takeaway. And I think also just like the general sanitizing nature, like we've seen it as far back as SD Gundam, uh, in like whenever that originally came out, like you know, taking these like threatening uh, agents of death and. and and sanitizing it for easy daily consumption as a mm-hmm. as as a means of normalizing things. Yes, this is normal because it's it's even part of the most cute and benign stuff in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think I, the question is is has it worked? Because it for me it sort of works for the anime Nazis. It's good at attracting like four chan people to radicalize them because. Uh, there there was this one quote which I heard from one of these, like, big otaku in Japan, which I always remember, and he talks about why it was, like, on this special, this exploitative special on hikikomori uh, herbivore males that choose to opt out and, you know, not have sex and just read manga. And um, he was describing them as, they're not like real women. I like these women better because they're clean. There's no dirt on them. You know, there's no... There's no goo or substance. There's no heat or sweat. You know, they're clean. And I think that is sort of this... Part of a fascist aesthetic is this obsession with cleanliness. Mm -hmm. Or is this obsession with, you know, ridding... Yeah, purity. Ridding yourself of imperfection. And I think that sort of hyper... um, that hyper-exacting style that a lot of anime has, especially for depicting people... And this hyper-aestheticized style showing this this to be cute and, you know, or adorable and hitting all your cute receptors or or beauty receptors or aesthetic ideal receptors, you know. I I think there is something to that where you associate that purity of that moe anime girl with the purity of your hypothetical master race or whatever, that cleanliness— you know, there's no dirt anymore. There's just, you know, this this clean femininity, which I, I, I think that's sort of how the psychology mixes with each other. It, obviously, you know, anyone who you don't most people don't interpret manga and anime that way. Most people have a healthy relationship with it. But I think when you have an unhealthy relationship, sort of that clean, exacting nature to a lot of manga and anime is is what. Uh, gives it an appeal to the fash. Yeah, it's all. I mean, it's also I, which came first. Um, you know, maybe on 4chan, did the did the anime fans become fascist, or did the fascists go to 4chan and get like bleeding over anime content, and they decide to go check out another board? Is it is How? is 4chan the reason, or is it really something intrinsic to anime? 
is my question. I, I think 4chan is some of the reason, but I think there is sort of like a, a readership, a lot of the uh, uh, anime before, especially when it was way more niche, was embraced by people that were sort of lonelier or more isolated, more traditionally mm-hmm. introverted or nerdy. Um, and so I think, I, I don't think anime was associated with it. So 4chan, it was just started initially as an anime board. And it was pretty apolitical for its first three years. It didn't really have any... Like, they were... The most political thing I saw them do was, you know, do the anti-Scientology protests, right? Um, Those were the days. Yeah. And then when it started... (laughs) No, no, I... I, Yeah, I miss when 4chan was just like uh, the the Habbo Hotel raid, which was racist, but... (laughs) But still. Um, Uh... But then it it was sort of Gamergate that really propelled, or the idea of red pilling, or the idea of this loneliness and incel, like, I can't get a date B culture really fomenting in 4chan, and that sort of inherent misogyny leading to a lot of the other elements that would say, not only is this misogyny okay, but, you know, we should restructure the world so it's easier for you to get a hot trad wife. You know, yeah. and that became the guiding, that became why Jordan Peterson was so popular. I can't get a fucking date. These young white men are coming to me with tears in my eyes. You know, they want their trad anime lobster waifu, and they aren't getting it because society is against them now. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think, it, yeah, anime was kind of there ready for the consumption of um, more isolated and lonely males. That's definitely yeah. true. Uh, you always, I remember, you know, in high school and in college, there's always the anime club. Who, they would, <laughs> and they would sort of sit alone. And I was friends with them more in high school. Uh, and But then in college, I stopped watching anime, I think. Although I did watch Ninja Scroll. One of the first times. Ninja Scroll I, is fucking cool. Yeah, I took a lot of acid and watched Ninja Scroll and had a pretty good time. Hell um, yeah. That was, Hell that was right before yeah. we became friends, Alex, I think. Right <laughs> yeah. Very nice. I like to think that's probably how we became friends. No, you, we the became universe friends led you to me. No, you started, um, I don't, well, maybe I shouldn't reveal too much of other people's drug use. You started doing something that chilled you out, man. <laughs> you started getting a lot more chill. Started getting a lot more chill, Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, uh, we all get a lot more ch- on, on a baseline level. That's not true. Some people get much, much angrier as yeah. they get older, oh, which yeah. is fascinating to me. Uh, well, do you want to talk about the the guy who died at all recently? Kentaro oh, uh, Miura? Kentaro oh, Miura? Yeah. yeah. From Berserk? The right. thing is, I that's how much of a pleb. That's how much of non-anime fans we are. Is I don't think any of us have watched Berserk or uh-huh. read the manga, right? I have not, and it's a great shame because I'm a huge Dark Souls and Soulsborne fan. And yeah, I, and I know yeah. that, like, that was just one direct influence of uh, Berserk. Mm-hmm. I found a link uh, for the anime. It's on like an archive site this, mm-hmm. with subtitles, but it's only I, 720 pixels, so you may want a higher res. Yeah. I mean, we should absolutely mention Berserk because Kentaro Miura is one of the... Uh, I mean, everyone was sharing his his panels, his just manga panels when he died, and everyone was commenting, this guy is the closest we got to Hieronymus Bosch or like a Gustave Doré 
uh, engraving, which I think is not hyperbolic. I think no, like, I don't think was, it is. No, that he was that good of a draftsman, and his visions of hell are unique. And he's such like he, he's this such a foundational figure because he basically almost single-handedly invented dark fantasy as we know it. Like, there had been dark fantasy books and a precedent set before that, but he really defined the image of what is of what horror fantasy is to be. He, that, also, that, he also came up with the uh, trope of a big sword, having the yes. main character <laughs> being a little boy with a sword like four times his size. Mm-hmm. Man, that's crazy when you think about it. This was the original big sword guy. Yeah. Yeah. They just no one had thought of a big sword guy before. Now what and if he Kentaro. had a, a physically impossible sword that no one could wield? That would show yeah. his power. <laughs> but lucky, it's a drawing, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and I think uh, that's one of the appeals of anime as well. I think that's a, a big reason why a lot of the live-action attempts at anime just fall completely flat. Yeah, you don't have that same suspension of disbelief when it's, you know, some pretty Japanese mm-hmm. guy in a fright wig. Mm-hmm. But also, for, like, why, why, does, why does Western media seem to translate better? I, I don't know. Uh, what, that... You mean Western comics seem to translate better to live action? Yeah. Is well, that just like, like a... I, I think... Okay, so let's, let's put it this way. Um... I, I, it's, it comes back to that cleanliness, you know, when you have a clean, hyper-appointed, hyper-specific style, uh, the more you deviate from that hyper-specificity, uh, the more you lose stuff in translation, where when you see, like, uh, uh, character designs for something like Big Mouth, which are so fuck-ugly, you wouldn't care <laughs> if anybody fucked them up. You know, I'm sure Big Mouth would... I mean, Big Mouth wouldn't translate well to live action because it would involve a lot of naked children. That's a weird show. Yeah. That's a... Two <laughs> thumbs down. a strange show. <laughs> I, I like Big Mouth. I think it's funny, actually. Um, or just... Um, I don't know. I, uh, SpongeBob, they've even done live action or CGI... Well, they've done CGI Sponge. They haven't done, like, a live action SpongeBob, but that's coming in the pipeline. Going to anthropomorphize SpongeBob characters... Gonna have An- you're gonna have oh, Ansel Elgort as SpongeBob, <laughs> <laughs> directed by Edgar Wright, and is the trailer's like I'm ready. And that's how he says it. <laughs> it's me, Ansel Elgort, and I'm ready. <laughs> um, fucking yeah, I I think there's. I mean, what Western cartoon adaptations can you think have been? I guess all of Marvel, basically, I, yeah. you can say that. I don't think they have been good. I don't think there has been that many successful from going from cartoon to live action. I because I I can't think of one. Um, I'm trying. I can think of there are lots of comic book adaptations that I like. Um, but 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 like uh, uh, Mystery Men was an adaptation of uh, Flaming Carrot comics, and I always loved the Mystery Men movie, and I recommend it to anybody. Uh, I I'm think gonna, it's a hidden gem. I'm gonna bring up Thor Ragnarok specifically because not that I think it's like the absolute absolute best in terms of like 
how it was directed and stuff, but there was something about the visual style. They used a lot of simplistic color palettes and stuff and combined with seamlessly with the CGI and the live action that it really felt like a live action cartoon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, Thor Ragnarok is like, I have a lot of shit to talk about the Marvel movies, but you'd have to be a dumbass not to understand that Thor Ragnarok is absolutely the most visually arresting out of all of those movies. It was, yeah. Because they're gray and bland for a lot. If I was Gordon Ramsay reviewing the look of the Marvel movies, I would be like, bland! It's bland! <laughs> Are you a sandwich? <laughs> Are you an idiot sandwich, you Russo brothers? <laughs> he, yes, he put, we're idiot sandwiches, they say. He puts bread on that poor woman's face and asks her if she's a sandwich. It's terrible. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. No, I, no, Gordon Ramsay is, is misogynistic for doing that. Our <laughs> fake Gordon Ramsay. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think that style of translating Western comics, but also Western comics are drawn a lot more proportionally to how actual humans look, even mm. though not really. I, I think it's when you take away the big eyes and the little dot noses, you do absolutely lose something in translation. There is something that's integral to that sort of hyper-distorted cutesy face that will forever make uh, manga adaptations to live action uh, sort of pale in comparison to their cartoon versions. Yeah. But there must be... I mean, the Lone Wolf and Cub movies are good. And... Or... Yeah. There's so much in anime where the character is not facing the camera and you can still tell what their reaction is because of something drawn on the back of their head. And mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, it's either a, a big drop. I still don't know what that signifies. It's it's some squiggly lines making a frowny face. I'm not sure what that means either. But I'm cognizant of the fact that reactions are taking place while the character is not looking at the camera through um, things being drawn on their head. How do you? How would you even approach doing that in uh, life? <laughs> you'd do it like an Edgar Wright movie where you just straight up draw the drop. <laughs> you'd, you'd draw the big teardrop. What does but that yeah, mean, like, the teardrop? Can you explain this hmm? so I can understand? Oh, that's when whenever somebody... It's like a big sweat drop, essentially. It's when somebody is feeling nervous and you start sweating. So the, the the image is a big sweat drop. Okay. You know. I if guess. someone's feeling embarrassed, they start sweating. In the in the West, our version of that is that Key and Peele meme where Jordan Peele is sweating a lot. Yeah. That's, that's our Western. In the West, <laughs> you see... <laughs> Ah, we have someone who knows the East versus West distinction. I know the distinction between (laughs) East and West. One is on your left hand and one is on your right hand. And the one on your right hand is where all the anime comes from. (laughs) Wow. Um, But yeah, so anime obviously is not just the realm of the fash. Uh, it's for everybody. It's become a mainstream popular, you know, it's on Netflix. Half of like the top Netflix views are animes, you know, uh, norm normies are into it now, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting development. So, we, um, so, but, but, you know, when someone has an anime avatar, they outwardly present themselves as being an anime fan. Um, they tend to, I feel I feel like the people that carry themselves that way tend to drift towards the more right-wing orientation. But that's just a feeling. I have nothing to back that up. 
I do have, I do follow at least one leftist account that just constantly retweets kawaii shit. Okay. Uh, so I would hope, I would, I would hope that this is just like some weird vocal gamer gatey minority. Like there's a whole politics to being like I'm a video game yeah. fan, but like I don't necessarily call myself a gamer very readily because of connotations related to that. So I don't know. See, that's you're afraid to demonstrate your your gamer identity because mm-hmm. of anti-gamer sentiment. This has to end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that was a thing with Israel. There's now like because of Palestine, um, there in the news cycle. There's this. Oh, we must denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms because apparently when you talk about Palestine a lot, uh, all of the uh, people are worried that oh, you're criticizing the Jews a little too much. It might result in some pogroms, I, which I think is stupid. I think it's just a way to neuter uh, discussion about yeah. Palestine. You can you can make that argument about anything. Uh, like what we're not supposed to criticize China or stuff like that. Like the news has gone whole hog on that file. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to proclaim to be an expert on what's happening in Xinjiang, but like what's happening in, in Palestine is pretty apparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we know way more about what's happening in Palestine than what's happening in Xinjiang. Yeah. We, we have we, a whole great firewall to block anything from getting out. Yeah. I mean, it's like with with China, it's always like Schrodinger's war crimes. You know, there's always there (laughs) might be and might not be some war crimes going on in China. And we'll never know until we open the digital box they're all contained in. Uh, But we don't have the keys to that digital box and we won't for a while, probably or ever. Yeah, I don't know if ever. I don't know. I think we're going to have a segmented Internet more likely with countries walling themselves off or... We'll probably have like a Western, like Europe and and America have. A, we share an internet. Um, that's just, kind of how it is. Just like 1984. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just as it's just as George Orwell predicted: a segmented internet. You think George Orwell <laughs> would have been a Jordan Peterson fan? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> No, he would have been like 1984 was all about cleaning your room. You know, yeah. if, if Winston oh. has cleaned his room, <laughs> he would have found. Police. Yeah. But yeah, talk about obsession with cleanliness. There you mm-hmm. go. Clean your room. Obsession with order and tradition. And, you know, the reason why a lot of these fashion anime guys sort of go for like the weird uh, little girl animes, too, is because it dovetails into their weird Evo psych idea that, oh, we should get them young. We should like them as young as possible because that's how men in the hunter-gatherer societies were, and we should not fight our programming. You know, that, mm. that, that, sort, of, uh, that sort of goes along with this Jordan Peterson reclaim misogyny in order to reclaim masculinity idea. That, I mean, that it makes a lot of sense. It. I was talking to a libertarian friend of mine earlier, and he was saying how, you know, you got to like, it's just like, 
age like these laws they just like they they, they just set that date there <laughs> <laughs> you know it's arbitrary how old is 15 really you know <laughs> just, i'm of course joking i do not have liber- i do not keep it. that kind of company okay. <laughs> yeah we we do not have we do not have a uh, glenn greenwald-esque age of consent views <laughs> oh there, that, so that's bringing up the uh, last topic of the day which is the glenn greenwald versus alan dershowitz match it's just like a nen nen fight um almost it is a nen fight (laughs) they will use their respective nen powers against each other (laughs) glad greenwald will just say some incredibly bitchy stuff to alan dershowitz you're a stupid hack journalist and no one cares about you and you're not going anywhere and you're a stupid little piss baby and i'm glenn greenwald (laughs) and i know the things uh, and Alan Dershowitz will be like, man, man, I'm, I'm a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a goblin man. I don't like, I don't like the Muslims at all. I like when wives are dead. They're like on the same side of everything. I don't think they have much to debate, right? <laughs> the debate is about government surveillance, apparently. Oh, yeah, they're probably basically on the same side. <laughs> I, I think Glenn is taking the old anti-surveillance side and uh, Dershowitz is taking the uh, monitor your shit side. Government, NSA agent monitoring your shits for terrorism side. I support all forms of surveillance except on boats. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, uh, man. Uh, didn't didn't Alan Dershowitz's first wife die under mysterious circumstances? I believe so. Oh, I... man. Uh, yeah, that, he spent his whole career with sort of... Because it, it was that one, it was the Sonny Von Bulow one, where uh, Klaus Von Bulow had allegedly choked Sonny Von Bulow into a coma. And then, of course, very famously, O.J. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, he's just he's around a lot of dead wives, you know. Mm-hmm. You know the the mid '90s movie, The First Wives Club. Well, Alan Dershowitz's movie would be called The Dead Wives Club. Wow. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. I should uh, yeah. I should load that up in my soundboard. I have to make a soundboard for the show. I've decided. Yeah. I have to make gotta, one. We're radio guys now. You yeah. gotta find your niche. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I can click. Group. I can. But then there's always an audible click. Baka. You know, and I have to go edit out the clicks. Um, but if I got a soundboard, then I could just tap my 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 pad, my sound pad. Tap your sound pad. Mm. <laughs> uh, Get tap my sound it. pad. Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz versus Glenn Greenwald. Yeah, people were commenting real alien versus predator situation, mm-hmm. you know. Whoever wins, we lose. But I choose to take the optimistic <laughs> thought on that. Whoever loses... We win, you know, you know, glass half full sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I don't think uh, Glenn stands a chance against the superior intellect. (laughs) (laughs) There's already, uh, I think, you know, they aren't they the group of people who are like Jews are smarter than everyone else. Like, aren't they're they're all Andrew Sullivan people? I know, I know, we know who Andrew Sullivan thinks is going to win. Wait, but both of them are Jewish. Oh, right, but who's more Ashkenazi? I mean, it's percentages. Who's, who's, who's more, more Ashkenazi? Who's more Ashkenazi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Glennis has more Sephardim, so mm-hmm. he's right out, you know. it's uh, 
do these do these Andrew Sullivan Andrew Sullivan would have a very he, he wouldn't be able to understand Nen. He would be like everyone should be enhancers. Whoever has the most aura clearly is the <laughs> <laughs> He he wouldn't understand how Karapika could defeat Uvogan. No. He would be Andrew Sullivan would be an easy opponent to defeat in the in the world of Hunter Hunter. Yeah, he wouldn't have a very creative Nen use. Yeah. Glenn Greenwald <laughs> would be much more difficult. He's like he's uh, he's he's a specialist. Um, yeah. He can use all the different powers. Which Trump son is the real dullard? <laughs> Which Trump son is the real dullard? Like I guess the, I guess they both are. Uh, no, the one of them is the smart one. <laughs> I think Eric is the is the smart one. Anyways, I'm trying to just think of like fighting Don Jr. with Nen. Yeah. Oh, fighting Don Jr. <laughs> what, what would the <laughs> He would. I mean, uh, I feel like uh, Eric would be. He would. Ha- he would have like. Uh, he would have like gum transfiguration powers. He would be like bungee gum, except he would use his his teeth gums, and <laughs> yeah. he could expand them and manipulate them. Maybe that's more, no. That's an enhancer. They're both enhancers because they're both simplistic. They can't. They wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah, that we creative. didn't go over that, but there's different. You can have different types. Uh, be a different type of Nen user. There's like six different types. And yeah. you, you can't change. I thought that was very interesting. You, there's no changing your type. You're born with your type, and you have to figure it out, and you can't change it. It's immutable. No, you um, can only sort of, like, dip into adjacent categories. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like INTJP crap. <laughs> yeah, but the Myers-Briggs test, except yeah. it uh, <laughs> really works. Uh, I, I've often, so what would Glenn Greenwald's Nen power be? What do you think his Nen, Nen ability? You said he would be a specialist. What's his special yeah. ability? To... I think it's, it would be called every time in someone in Hunter Hunter uses a power that like the screen pauses and there's uh, the Japanese characters of what the name of the power is and some cool music that goes with it. And uh, his I would think his is something like bitchy typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like he can he can just shoot the keys of a typewriter at you and they they like penetrate your body and kill you something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's so he he's sort of an emission guy more. <laughs> he would say. Yeah, he's one. Um... Or like the bitchiness of his comment makes the 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 Nen bullets shoot harder or something like that. The bitchier the comment he makes, the harder the Nen bullet hits. That's kind of a conjurer ability, but I think he might be a specialist and able to use all the different abilities um, just because he's so he's so slippery. Yeah. yeah. Alan Dershowitz, he would absolutely be a manipulator. Yeah, no doubt exactly what mind. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. But what would his manipulation power be? Um, he would have... Um, he If he is in closer proximity to a dead wife... Uh, he can he can manipulate a person more like effectively. Gr- greasy massage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the closer the closer proximity he is to women suffering, which is why he had to go to the Epstein Island in order to refuel his nan abilities constantly. You know, suffer siphon. Yeah. Yes, he is suffer siphon. Uh, and he can project this suffering onto other people so that they're less mentally acute and then yeah, he is that able is, to that's it wow yeah. so we we have we have bitchy typewriter versus suffer siphon mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
<laughs> who will who will win? A specialist versus a uh, manipulator. I, I'm I'm guessing you know the specialist. Honestly, they have a lot of advantages. But uh, Alan Dershowitz is older. He has more experience in the ring, uh, in the mm-hmm. battle ring, as it were. So don't rule him out because um, he may just do to experience alone. And that's an important aspect of the universe: is that experience yeah. matters. Uh, we're always being taught that every episode. Um, uh, don't be too cocky. Because mm-hmm. someone older and more experienced uh, may know ways to beat you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the ultimate tournament. I wish I wish there was a tournament of like uh, thought leader debates where like Glenn would debate Alan Dershowitz and then he would move on to debate like I don't know fucking Jake Tapper or some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. Uh, who would progress far in that tournament using rhetoric, using nen rhetoric? <laughs> Chomsky. Uh, yeah, Chomsky. <laughs> Chomsky is like the chairman. He's the of. Uh, yeah, he's the netero <laughs> yeah. of the of, <laughs> of the of the thought leader association, of the thought hunter association. Mm. <laughs> oh man. Um, we were talking about uh, thinking about just getting into general animes. We got like 15 minutes left. Let's talk about some other animes we like. Uh, uh, Marina, what are some other animes you would recommend? Well, first and foremost, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, uh, absolutely one of the best pieces of fiction I've ever watched. It's 120 episodes of political intrigue and sort of like space politics, but it's like a million times better than, than Star Wars and, dare I say, even maybe better than Star Trek. But I digress. Uh, Full Metal oh. Alchemist Brotherhood great one i've seen that one it's every everyone that's that's such a great one that everyone knows that it's the greatest one mm-hmm. yeah code geass uh code gay ass <laughs> death note back in the day uh a mm-hmm. dub on uh y ytv yeah death note death note up until l dies i even like the episodes after l dies Mm-hmm. NG, NGL, not gonna lie, I still think Death Note's kind of got it, uh, even after L dies. That's all I'm gonna say. And uh, another one I'll bring up. I've I've seen a few more than th- than that. Uh, I'm not gonna go through like Dragon Ball Z and uh, Inuyasha. Well, you can go through, uh, you can go through like the super popular stuff because everybody likes uh, Dragon Ball Z. I mean, I think Dragon Ball Z is probably one of the most. Are you wearing a Dragon Ball Z? t-shirt right now I you am. are you're wearing a goku eyes a goku and piccolo eyes t-shirt that is see see that's how pervasive and wonderful mm. it is yeah it's um, just uh i don't think it's the like highest quality anime obviously i've ever seen but i came around yeah. to it there was like a bit of a teenage period where it was like i liked this when i was eight but nah nah it's an absolute stone cold classic it's a banger uh well and- <laughs> it gets uh, boo saga's weird yeah but uh uh, and I'll just leave you off with Monster. I highly recommend Monster. It's sort of like a, uh, a psychological thriller and very not not a lot of like kawaii sort of like stuff. It's just more of like a good story one if you're into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I downloaded a bunch of Monster back in high school. I nice. think I got through episode 60, but it's hard to remember um, that during my brief anime phase, I watched... A lot of Death Note. I also watched one called Ergo Proxy. That Ergo Proxy is really is good. Pretty cool, but the I remember 
torrenting it and the files were corrupted like halfway through oh, and then not being able to find another um, source. So didn't get to finish that one. Mm. What about what you, Alex? What are your big what ones? I love One Piece. I am a massive yeah. One Piece fan. I am a One Piece guy. I love it. It's the greatest story ever told. It's extremely flawed. It has a lot of its ups and downs. Some arcs are better than others. But um, Oda, you know, who's uh, more than 20 years into this, you know, the fact that he's able to produce his best material, like, 20 years into it, and he's still, nice. like, cranking out really good shit, like... Even though even though arcs are uneven, you know, he'll you always know that he's got something good coming up in him. Um, so um, I, I'm just amazed at that tenacity and the fact that it all basically does fit together clunkily. And like he he um, he, he does. Uh, what's that? What's that thing called? What's the word I'm looking for? Not retro scripting. He retroactively he retcons. He retcons a lot of stuff out of necessity by the mm. fact that the world is so scraw uh, sprawling and massive and unwieldy. Uh, but um, it all essentially fits together, and the thesis of the piece has remained unchanged, where it is about the thesis of one piece, you know, contrasted to Hunter Hunter, which is about, you know, sort of existing within a weird and brutal system. One Piece is about defying a weird and brutal system, uh, because eventually the the world government is always has always been the main enemy. Beyond you know just the antagonistic pirates, the world government is the big boss of the world, and it is the one that has the institutional power to you know do do a Buster call. I mean, One Piece is you know has a lot of revolutionary politics, way more so than Hunter Hunter. Um, um, uh, My perception of, of One Piece is so damaged by do that dog shit for kids fucking oh, yeah. like dub for you you're thinking my perception of it is guy yeah yo yeah yo yeah yo <laughs> and like this is like the most childish like worse than naruto thing ever but what yeah. you're describing what everyone who's been a fan of this thing in the years since that i've seen online is describing is nothing like that yeah, I mean, it's also sad that they they changed it to the stupid rap intro because One Piece, the original intro to One Piece is one of the greatest anime songs ever written. We are at it again, oh, umeo, utsuju at away. Do they produce yeah. new episodes of the TV show too in Japan? Yes. Although the, yes, the, but the the One Piece anime is notoriously not so great because they uh, really stretch out the material and the quality of the animation is fairly low. Uh, One Piece the, the the anime is great basically up until the end of the Ennis Lobby arc, and that's when they start really stretching out the material mm. and cutting a lot of corners with the animation, and it starts looking a lot different and more angular and jagged and lazier. Um, which is sort of a necessity when you're producing a thing. Like, I don't blame them for doing it, but it's not, like, consistently beautiful like, say, the Attack on Titan anime is, which mm -hmm. is very consistently well animated. Um, that's, I would also like to say Attack on Titan is great, even though it ends uh, ambiguously and sort of you could very much interpret it as having a pro-fash ending, I really do think it ends ambiguously enough to the point where uh, 
it doesn't explicitly endorse that sort of worldview, but Attack on Titan is very fraught because you can absolutely read a lot of, not so much uh, sort of fascist ideas, but I would say more Japanese imperialist ideas. One of the mm. characters, Doc Pixis, is famously based on a, uh, a, a World War II era general. No, not a World War II, a uh, Russo-Japanese War era uh, general which is, you know, also beloved by a lot of Japanese fascists. And so there's some sort of also like apologism for the war crimes that Japan did in Korea that may have been attributed to Isayama, the creator of Attack on Titan. So it's sort of, there's speculation on what he actually believes. Um, but I, I don't think it matters really so much because the manga is ambiguous enough that you can draw your own conclusions from it. And so people really hated the ending to it. They thought it, like, really was formally endorsing fascist stuff, which I kind of I kind of did at first. But then after reading it again, I was like, eh, it's it's a little it's a little more ambiguous than I give it credit for. And the whole show is great. It's it's just horror. It's it's a genre that also Berserk created, which is epic horror which is something that's amazing because usually horror is is relegated to like a single room or a family dwelling usually in the west we understand horror as being sort of very intimate and um you know that's why horror movies are often low budget because you can film them in like a single room or you can film them with like a cast of three people and achieve stuff you know horror is sort of oh well what about in interview with a vampire well, yeah, there's stuff like that, but I know that's not really a horror movie. That's yes, more of like a, a gay, a gay sex movie. It's more of a that's a yaoi movie. Um, but but even like epic horror, which has like uh, stuff with like an amazing scope, um, which Berserk definitely did. It had this amazing, epic historical uh, materialist scope, like understanding you know not just. Uh, uh, understanding the not, the horror of Berserk's world, but also the consequences of there being horror in this Berserk world. And I think the same would apply to Attack on Titan, where it has this very canny materialist analysis of what a world of containing Titans would entail for, you know, how society gets along and for how uh, people treat war and commerce and shit like that. And so I think that's, yeah, Attack on Titan's world building is incredible which I, I, I think is enough to recommend it as well. Um, and see, you know, we, these are all very popular animes we've talked about. None of these, we're not hardcore anime guys. Mm -hmm. So this episode is for people that have never seen it at all, basically, and just don't know where to begin. Yeah, you don't want to start, is it FLCL? You don't want to start with that show. I have seen and that show. You, and won't understand. you won't understand anything. And Evangelion. Always got to shout out Evangelion. Evan's Great. Good. The greatest yeah. one. The greatest one ever done. Yeah, that one uh, That one with I'm... 2001 A Space Odyssey, I can't finish. I get 15 minutes in and I fall asleep. <laughs> and I'm like, well, try again next year to finish either one of these two things. Everyone says is so amazing that puts me right to sleep. Oh, I like both of them. Miyazaki movies. Good place to start. Yeah. Yeah, gotta start with... I would actually say the anime that you should actually... The anime series that you should start with is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a super solid starting point. That's like one of the best starting anime. It's one of the best ones ever. The story is super tight. Uh, it's really deep and horrifying. 
uh, and asks questions about, it's all about scientism, and it's all about, you know, why do we place science as the primary source of knowledge and what that leads to in a society? You know, Full Metal Alchemist also has themes of fascism, and there are themes of ethnic cleansing in Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. But it engages with them much more critically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, it definitely, in a way that um, it explicitly denounces them in a way that something like Attack on Titan doesn't explicitly denounce, but sort of demonstrates that, you know, he, he knows... Isayama knows that fascism is bad. So <laughs> I think we can I think we can surmise. If you're looking for like just a fun time, uh, I would also recommend Golgo 13, which is a super long running manga series about like a super like a hyper <laughs> assassin james bond type but he's not like so much of a womanizer as he is this weirdo loner uh it's really interesting and well written uh and it's just like it's casual they're like one shot so you could just pick up a chapter and just read a cool spy story also if you're looking for an anime just to marvel at incredible animation the movie i would recommend is called redline there's a movie called redline mm. Which is a, a space a space racing movie, and it is like the most beautiful hand drawn animation I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Not you know it's it's just the story is okay, but it's like you you can just watch the movie because every every frame is incredible and it, they put so much work into everything in that and it just flows so beautifully and smoothly in terms of a visual aesthetic. And so uh, I think that's a good place to end. Marino, do you have any plugs? Uh, no, uh, not beyond uh, listen to Big Shiny Takes. We have new episodes every week. Uh, some of those weeks, they are bonus episodes, so you have to be a patron. But yeah, uh, check us out. We've got a bunch of stuff up there already. If you are interested in hearing a bunch of dudes make fun of hilariously bad ideas in newspapers. Oh, yeah. I recommend the Nora Loretta episode, Loretto episode, which is generally seen as your 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 biggest banger episode because mm-hmm. uh, you guys go. Nor, Nora's incredible rage also gets you guys going as well. <laughs> and she it's, was, uh, it's very good. She was such an incredible, like, just font of passion for, like, the greater good. And it's inspiring. It's like, that's what you want to see in a, a journalist. Of course, she's blacklisted by the mainstream Canadian media because that's how things work in this country. Fired for truth. Yeah, mm. she was... Uh, uh, she pointed out a very obvious uh, imbalance in the way we treat sort of, like the the humble tragedy tragedy as opposed to various other constantly ongoing and very easy to stop tragedies in this country uh mm-hmm. and then that was obviously a super un-canadian move yeah well because yeah we didn't she was dissing our little little white hockey boys yeah, yeah. yeah. who must be venerated without question Yes. I mean, yeah, that's a sad thing that happened, but she absolutely had a valid point and did not deserve to get blacklisted. You can cut all this. I'm just rambling. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I had a lot of fun. You're so welcome. Everybody right. needs to go to bigshinytakes.com and you can 
Look at their awesome website. Subscribe there. There's a link to the Patreon. You want to subscribe to the Patreon. That's BigShinyTakes.com. And this has been your weekly episode of House of the Klein. Hope everybody has a great week. Baka!